Character is very important. Character is destiny. Your character determines your, your life, basically. I think it's important for young people to build relationships with honest and trustworthy people. Your life depends on the quality of relationships you develop. You've got to develop relationships with good people. Invest in yourself, invest in building your character, because character leads to success. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is a professor of finance and the chair of value investing at the Richard Ivey School of Business at the University of Western Ontario. This gentleman is one of the world's leading thought leaders when it comes to the subject of value investing. He is a new friend. But he's a friend of a dear friend of mine who's also been a guest on this show, Anthony Shilapati of Veritas Investment Research. I'm excited to have him on here. We're going to be talking about all things investing, which is in keeping with some of the themes of certain episodes we've been doing in the last few months. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, Dr. George Athanasakos. Welcome to the show, George. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. I, I wish I was so energetic as you are, you know. <laughs> God bless your heart, George. God bless your heart. George, the people that listen to this show tend to be entrepreneurs, tend to be professional business people. They're good capitalists. They believe in freedom. They believe in free expression. They believe in free enterprise. One of the reasons they listen to this show is because they want to learn from you as a thought leader how they can be more effective in their own lives, in their own business. And lately, we have been bringing quite a few people talking about various aspects of investing. So, we're, we're really excited to have you here and to share some of your knowledge with people to help uplift these people because you're going to be doing them a great service. But before they can open their hearts to you, my brother, they got to get to know you. So tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great George Athanasakos? <laughs> okay, I've got to go back uh, many years then. <laughs> so um, I'll use some background, I guess, uh, in 10 minutes. Uh, so I was born um, in a small city in the middle of Greece. And um, my father was uh, in the policeman, was, was a policeman, and my mother was a homemaker. And, uh, you know, I look back, I guess, uh, in my life and said, how this, how this affected me, uh, having a father a policeman and a mother a homemaker. Because, you know, I believe that, uh, you know, character is very important in your life. And, uh, you know, being Greek, I, I always use a, a quote by a Greek uh, philosopher, um, Heraclitus, who said, uh, destiny is, uh, character is destiny. That is, your character determines your, your life, basically. So then figure out, I guess, how, how my parents affected me, because character, sometimes you're born, you're born with, with the character, but other times you develop it through life, uh, through experiences, through family upbringing, 
And so I think, I think, um, and looking to myself, I guess, I think I, I'm conservative and I got this from my, from my father. And I'm also uh, disciplined, which also got from my father. But I think the, the most important characteristic of me, which make, also, make me also a value investor, is I got from my mother, who uh, she was very patient, contrarian, that is always did her own thing, <laughs> and uh, frugal, frugal. And I remember, you know, as, as, as young as, you know, I was like five years old, uh, I put together a little show for my friends, uh, like a, a shadow show. And I have to ask them to pay <laughs> to attend. To pay to attend. And then I would get all these pennies and I would lock myself in the washroom and I count the pennies to make sure how much money I made. Um, another time I remember, you know, I was again grade, uh, grade three and uh, I went totally against my, my peers and uh, they didn't like this and they were just changing me back and, back and forth. Um, so I think I developed a lot of my characters inherently. But then I developed some other stuff uh, through my experience because my family was moving every three years. In Greece, they move you, they move the police people every three years to different cities. So they don't develop, they don't develop, I guess, uh, the relationships and what kind of things uh, with the community. So they're moving around, made me, made me independent um, and also made me able to adapt to changes. On the other hand, Downside was that um, I don't have a lot of very good friends because the moving around did not allow me to establish relationships. Um, so I think this is how I developed my, my character. I went to university in Thessaloniki, uh, which is the, the second biggest city in Greece. And uh, there, while I was at the university, I, was, uh, I teamed, up, teamed up with a friend of mine who was, well, I guess, funded. And um, we started a business. We were buying, uh, we're buying uh, a reinforcement bar uh, wholesale. We're selling it to small um, contractors. Um, I mean, ed education was very important for my family. And uh, so I gave up this business to come to Canada and uh, do a master's, master's in economics. Um, now, why I chose Canada and why I did economics? I came to Canada because, uh, you know, we're not wealthy family, so my uncle was here. So I came and stayed with him at the beginning, and then I got a scholarship and I went to university. Um, and I did economics because, uh, and I went to York University in Toronto because the Greek prime minister was an ex-professor from York University in economics. So that was my link to, 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 to York who, University. Who was that, Papadou? Papandreou, Papandreou, yes, he was a big name, big shot professor at, at York University. Actually, he was brought to York University to develop the economics department. And um, so, so in case we, we knew York because of him and economics because of him as well. So I did a master's in economics. I didn't find it very useful. I found it very, very theoretical, uh, very dry. And uh, then I went and did my, my MBA, which I loved. I loved the MBA. Um, you know, the, the, the system in Greece, the, the high school system in Greece is pretty good. Even the universities are not very good. The, the, the high school is very, very, very good because it's very mathematically oriented and very writing oriented. So I think if you got 
the math skills and the writing skills is an excellent combination. You can do anything basically. Uh, so equipped with the masters in economics and MBA, I went to Greece, you know, thinking that, you know, I'd be welcome in Greece with all this knowledge. I went there and I worked as a, as a research uh, analyst in one of the big banks. Uh, I found that people uh, in Greece, you know, everything's political and everything is union oriented and uh, was not part of the of this system. And people resented, I guess, the fact that they weren't there and I got this position and they, you know, I went over them and so on. So anyway, three months later, I left. Um, I got married in the meantime. I left Greece and I came to Canada. Um, only had a dose in my had a dose in my pocket, and I, I go back and think and say, how did I do this? I wouldn't do this again. Anyway, I came here. I got a job, fortunately, right away. I worked for an institution. I became the head of the uh, economics department, and uh, after five years, I thought I learned everything, and uh, I wanted to go back to university because I was always university oriented. I went to university to my PhD. And I became a professor. And one big um, milestone in my life was that I met uh, Prem Watsa, the CEO of Fairfax Finance, who had given money to, to Ivy to find an academic with the right skills to develop a program in value investing. And uh, so I met Prem, and I realized when I met him and were discussing that actually I was a value investor. I didn't, I, don't, I didn't know I was a value investor. I mean, I had the skills of value investing, but at university, value investing is not known. Like academics don't really understand what value investing is. So we never really study value investing at the university. So I started feeling actually good about, about myself because up to that point, I, I was different. I, I knew I was different from the other people. And, uh, and I felt really bad about this. Was something, something wrong with me? But then I realized that, uh, no, this is how value investors are. Um, are very contrarian, very dependent, um, do their own thing, uh, also humble, also humble. And so it was very different from my colleagues too, you know, in academia who are mostly, you know, dogmatic and arrogant. And I couldn't really understand this. So, so this, this is what my evolution of life and this, this is how I became a value investor, or I mean, how I, I got involved in value investing even though my personal experiences was behaving as an investor, as a value investor in my own investments. But I didn't know I had a label called value investing. And this is how I became a value investor. And I, I, and I owe this, I guess, to my meeting Prem, who has really affected my life. And, uh, and I think, you know, everybody should have uh, a mentor or a person that uh, they trust and they respect. And to help them very to help them in their life uh, move up the learning curve. agree with you. That's my business is based on providing mentorship to people who are in business in a very particular field. Um, I help them stand out, develop a really powerful personal brand. And I believe that you need to learn from somebody who can teach you how to do that. In fact, doing it alone is, is death, in my opinion, to your dreams, death to all your ambitions. I have this thing I call hashtag don't do it alone. Don't do 2022 alone is, is one of the things that I say to people. So I agree with you, but I'm fascinated by the fact that you met Prem WhatsApp. 
I know who Prem Watsa is, but not all of my listeners are going to know who Prem Watsa is. So for the edification of my listeners, could you please explain to them who Prem Watsa is? Yeah, Prem Watsa is also known as the Buffett of the North. He's the CEO of Fairfax Financial Holdings. So insurance companies get their money, which is called float, from what the um, clients pay. And they take this money, they invest it, and they make a lot of money out of it. Uh, this is exactly what uh, Warren Buffett does. So, so Prem Watsa has uh, you know, made his company similar to, to Berkshire Hathaway, uh, where Warren Buffett is the, uh, the man there. And uh, so that's why uh, Prem Watsa is called the, uh, the Buffett of the North. Uh, Prem has invested uh, around the world. He's, he's Indian. He's Indian. He came to Canada, Canada's. Uh, and he, his brother, who was here, helped him to come to Ivy uh, to get an MBA. Uh, he got an MBA. Uh, he worked for an insurance company. Uh, and then he went on his own and started uh, Fairfax. And now he's, uh, he's the most well-known uh, business person in Canada, one of the wealthiest people in Canada. And uh, because of uh, having started Ivy, he gave a lot of money to Ivy. To find, um, to find an academic uh, to be able to, to build a program in value investing because academics don't know much about value investing. They're not trained in value investing. Uh, so there's only, that's why there are only two programs in the world, academic programs that is value investing. One is at Columbia, uh, New York, where um, uh, Ben Graham, the father of value investing, taught. Yeah. And the other is at Ivy, the program I developed. Um, you know, Ivy, Ivy uh, advertised for this position. I apply along with other people from around the world. Uh, we had meetings with the university. Uh, we, made, we made presentations to, for our research to the university. And then the university chose, I guess, 10 of us and took us to, to meet with Prem. Uh, so Prem uh, asked me two questions. He says to me, first of all, um, what do you think are marks efficient? And then he asked me about, um, uh, about a beta coefficient, which is a measure of risk that they use in, in academia. And I guess I gave him a right answer because um, he was the only one, I was the only one that he, he liked. And uh, so we, I met with him three times. And in the last meeting, I go to the boardroom and he comes in and he comes and gives me a big hug. He says to me, where have you been for so long? He's such a, a warm person, you know. He's such a, a, a good businessman, but also a good human being. And, um, and this is what really attracted me to him. He's a good human being, down to earth. No yeah. bullshit, no, you know, you know, talking about behind your back, you no know, giving you a, a story that you want to hear about. He tells you the, the, the thing that uh, is important, and he tells you, uh, how to be a better person. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I've heard that he's not uh, a very public person. He likes to uh, keep to himself a lot. He doesn't do a lot of interviews, as an example. He doesn't yes. go out there and he speaks. There's not a lot of photographs of him. The last photograph I saw of him was taken in the 80s <laughs> that a newspaper published, and I'm sure he doesn't exactly look like that anymore. 
unless he's like the portrait of Dorian Gray. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm fascinated by your relationship with him because I didn't know this about you. He's a fellow that I found very interesting and fascinating. So I'm interested to know, um, you know, what what is it that you see as his philosophy and what do you two men have in common in that respect? Yeah, so we share, I guess, you know, value investors share some common characteristics, uh, which is basically contrarian, patient, discipline, long-term, humility, humility. Uh, you know, patience, patience and or discipline and IQ as connected, are, are very, very well connected. But discipline is a more telling characteristic of, of success in life. Um, because, you know, people have difficulty making choices that require them to sacrifice short-term pleasure for long-term gains. And um, all value investors have a long-term perspective. Uh, and actually, he was much more a private person 10 years ago. Then he would not talk to anybody, he would not give interviews. Uh, but then, uh, because of his aloofness, uh, people think, thought that uh, he was trying to hide something. And there were some issues there uh, with some short sellers and, and so on. And then he realized that he shouldn't be so aloof and should uh, talk a little bit more than before. But this is what, I mean, like, for me also, I don't like to give interviews, okay? And like, now, for you, I guess, it was an exception <laughs> and you, you know, you had to push, to push me a little bit to, to do this. I don't have a, a Facebook account. I don't have a LinkedIn account. I have nothing. I don't. People like I went to the AGM conference last week, and one of value investors came to me and says, says to me, George, your book and this page in particular, you should put it on your LinkedIn. You know, everybody has to see this formula and this uh, this this graph. I said, I don't have a LinkedIn. I don't. I don't have anything like this. So I don't give interviews. I you know they call me from various stations to talk about things. And I said, sorry, I, I don't like to do this. Yeah, I understand. Um, and at the same time, here's what I'm going to say about that, George. I think we all have a purpose we were put here by God on this earth for. And this is how I see it. I don't know if you agree, but let me share it with you. We were put here to live, obviously, to love, uh, to grow, to learn, and to contribute. And you know, there's another generation of people that's coming after me and after you, after we're gone. And I believe it's part of our duty to enlighten as many people as we can along the way. And you're obviously doing that at the level of the university, but there's a world beyond the university. And there's lots of people that would benefit from hearing the types of messages that you have. So I'm glad that you came on the show. I'm glad you've decided to do this with us. And I say this to everybody it's the most important thing that, that God gives us some favor, whether it's a decision to go to heaven or go to hell, I think is how many people we helped along the way, how much of ourselves we gave to our fellow man and woman. So not, not to get maudlin or, or, or religious about you, but I believe that very strongly in my heart. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I mean, uh, both uh, Prem and I uh, are very spiritual. Uh, very religious pe uh, pe persons, and uh, you know, we have to also be like. For me, I, I want to. I try to be a mentor uh, to my students. You know, I try to help my students uh, evolve, and uh, and I build a relationship with my students because I think it's important for young people to build relationships 
with uh, uh, honest and trustworthy people. Uh, you know, your life depends on the quality of relationships you develop. Uh, that's why you've got to develop relationships with good people. Uh, and as Buffett says, you develop relationships with people who are better than you because this way they move you up. As opposed to, it's like playing tennis. You, know, you play tennis with, uh, with better players, you become better players. If you play tennis with uh, worse players, you, you, you know, your performance deteriorates. 100% um, agree. 100% agree with that. And you said, you know, we're in this life for a purpose. I agree. And, and, and that's why, you know, uh, we have to find, I guess, what's our passion? What's our passion? Okay. And develop our life around this passion. Okay. Life is too short to do something that is not going to make you happy. Uh, and I think you should do something that is consistent with your personality, with your character. Don't go outside your character because you're never going to be successful. I so agree with everything you're saying, man. This is brilliant stuff. It's not what I expected you to say at all when I when I asked you to come on the show, but I love it. So fantastic, George. So let's get right into value investing. Why is it relevant today? Why is it, I would argue, more relevant today than it ever was? And why do people in business need to understand the philosophy behind it and start to apply it not just in picking stocks and bonds, but also in figuring out how they can, frankly, invest in aspects that are going to help them grow their business. You know what I mean? Investing in purchasing uh, uh, plant uh, and equipment, investing in employees, investing in buying a new business to grow their business. All of these are aspects of investing, and I believe the principles of value investing apply to all of them. So I'd like to really hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, excellent question. I mean... You know, I teach value investing, and, and when students come to my class, they think they're going to hear only about how to pick stocks. But value investing is more than just picking the stocks, okay? It's about how to go deep and understand companies. Because I said to people, if you don't understand the business, don't do anything. Don't do anything. Um, and that's why, because humans don't understand other businesses, that's why value investors tend to invest in a small number of stocks. But beyond investing, you know, value investing is important for, for CEOs, for, for, for managers. Uh, why? Because CEOs, one of the roles they play, see, most people, most people think that a CEO, an executive, has to be a good operator, that is, to operate the company well. That's true. But a good CEO also, and this is a very important role, has to be a good asset allocator. Asset allocator means good investor because they get money from the business and they've got to decide what to do with this money. Should I buy more equipment, as you said, or do more research, buy another company, uh, go and pay dividends or buy back shares or pay off debt? All these are um, investing decisions. And I find in my research that the best CEOs are those who behave like value investors. Mm. That is, those who have a long-term perspective, with patience, with discipline, uh, who do their own thing outside the box. Um, and of course, who understand what creates value. What is the process that develop, uh, creates value? And to make the company attractive to investors. 
Okay, this is what they want to do eventually. They want to make the company attractive to investors. And so, so value investing has two aspects. One is the value seeker, who's the investor, and the other side is the value uh, creator, who is the manager, the CEO. And Buffett says that, and I quote, he says, I'm a good businessman because I'm an investor, and I'm a good, invest good investor because I'm a businessman. So these two cannot be thought of independently. A good managers are also good investors because we got to invest in the business. And we got to know what's the best way to invest to create value. That's actually pretty brilliant. I'd heard that before from Buffett. I've read a few books on Buffett and uh, I own some of his class B shares. I haven't bought the class A shares, uh, you know, just, just because I want to get the reports that uh, he sends out every year and read them. I mean, they're, they're pretty cool. Um, but I, I, I say this, you know, you spark something in my head and I'm going to, I'm going to just uh, think out loud here with you and what I have to say right now may be complete BS, but let's give it a shot here. Okay. So I think this also applies to investments one makes in oneself, right? Because at the end of the day, the most important investment that you can make as an organization is in people. And if you're a CEO, you should be investing in yourself. If you're, uh, if you're a manager or a director, you should be investing in yourself as well, right? Because investing for the long term really is what's going to strengthen you. You need to learn how to think long term. You need to learn how to be effective in communicating and selling your ideas. You need to learn how to have good people skills to build relationships. You and I talked about that. And these things don't necessarily get taught in school anymore. Let's face it, they really don't, and not even in university. And so these are skill sets that people need to invest in developing for themselves. And to me, these are also characteristics of the value investor. So the person who is, for example, once they've graduated school and all that, still going to courses and programs and conferences and buying books and reading and listening to podcasts is got a long-term value investment vision of investing in their most important asset themselves. And I was wondering what your thoughts would be on that. Well, I mean, like I said before, for my family, education was very important, okay? Um, and everybody should have a long life education plan. But as you said, unfortunately, universities no longer teach what actually you need for success in life. No, they don't. And... Um, and, you know, if, if you ask, I guess, if you ask me what's important, what's important? You don't, like in life, you don't have to be Einstein, okay? You have to have some reasonable intelligence. Uh, but the most important is to have some sound principle of operations and, um, and to understand, very importantly, human nature. Okay, human nature. Uh, so, because emotions, emotions cloud one's judgments and lead many times to logical decisions. So, and I said this to my students, I said, you know, I can teach you how to value stocks, how to pick stocks, but I cannot really teach you to make an investment, to make a decision. Because making a decision I mean, you can be the best valuator in the world, but if you panic or you get greedy 
or you're not disciplined or patient, you're never going to be a good investor. So, so to be a good investor, you've got to understand human weaknesses, human nature, and try to uh, see this in your own behavior. Try to correct them. Okay, so try to correct them, uh, or develop strategies. You know, sometimes it's very difficult to correct, I guess, human weaknesses, but develop strategies. Okay, you got to develop strategies to deal with the weaknesses. Uh, and I said to people, you know, most people think uh, things like I, I, in, in binary terms. So, for example, you say, I, 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 you know, after dinner, you ask yourself, after dinner, should I eat uh, dessert or not? And most people, you know, who want to lose weight, I guess, they try to decide, should I have dinner, should I have a dessert or not? That's a binary decision, okay? That affects, affects at the moment, I guess. You can have dessert sometimes. What if you said, after dinner, I never have dessert? Then it's no longer a binary, it's a, it's a, it's a unitary decision. So I said to my students, you have to train yourselves. You have to train yourself to control your emotions. Because emotions, like I said, many, many times cloud your decision, your judgment. So one thing I said to my students is never make impulsive decisions. Okay? Never make impulsive. That is, always look before you jump. Um, no matter who told you something, you know, step back, think about this, and then make a decision. Then I said to my students, always think of the opposite. Think of the opposite. Uh, you know, as an investor, if you want to outperform, you've got to do something different from the others. Um, so you've got to be contrarian. You've got to be analytical. To have a process, okay? A process, develop a system uh, and a process that go from A to B and helps you overcome your emotions. Always have a checklist. Okay, so what are the things that are important? Have a checklist and see whether your decisions meet all these checklist things. Uh, and you know, when there are risks, it's always good to have checklists. That's why airline pilots have checklists. And, um, and, and it's also important to have, uh, to talk to friends that you respect, like me with Prem Wacha or, or Buffett with uh, Charlie Munger, Always talk to a knowledgeable friend. Have a mentor to whom you can bounce, bounce back ideas. That's why you got to develop these relationships. And this need time. And when you said invest in yourself, this is what I mean. You know, you got to develop time to develop relationships with people you trust and you respect. Um, yeah, I think it's very and, important. And you got to be good yourself. You got to be also a good person yourself to attract also good people. Right, um, you know, value investors also another thing that characterizes them is um, uh, integrity. Integrity. You know, you've got to be have integrity. Okay, you got to have, uh, which also along with patience. Patience and integrity, I think, are important. And uh, if you got patience and you don't have integrity, <laughs> you're gonna be trouble. Okay, like uh, Enron. Uh, they had patience, but they were crooks, and they, they ran into problems. Crooks, that's and you may have integrity, but if you don't have patience, then again, you're not going to be uh, you're going to you're not going to be successful. Um, 
So you've got to invest in yourself. Uh, make sure that you are a good person and make sure you relate to good people, people who are better than you so that you can move up. Um, so investing in yourself, investing in building your character because character leads to success. Uh, character, the value based in character, that is the patience, the discipline, the long-term perspective, uh, help you achieve good, good uh, investing results. But I think also helps you lead a nice life, a good life. Because you have normally a very balanced life, you're long-term, you don't care about the day-to-day, you don't react to the day-to-day stuff, you know? You have a long-term perspective, and this allows you to have a balanced life, a balanced life, you know, family and business. Um, and, and you know, you're surprised when I hear this, and I'm not kidding when I say this, value investors, because of the, the character, tend to live long. If you look at Buffett, he's 92. If you look at Michael, he's 96, 97. Yeah. Um, um, uh, you know, premise in his 70s. Erwin um, Kahn died a few years ago, 107. 107. And, and, you know, when he was 100 years old, he invited me to his party. And uh, <laughs> after like that, he was, he was calling me every day. Like, remember, 100 years old, he would call me and say, George, Give me some stocks here, okay? Give me some Canadian stocks. So this thirst, thirst for, for knowledge and uh, going to work every day kept him going. And, um, and when you do something that you love, some, something like you love, you go to work tap dancing, as Buffett says, and you don't, never want to retire. No, it's, it's, it's the truth. I mean, um, that you should say that but uh, it's there's guys I know who, who do what they do and they're in their 70s like there's a guy named Raymond Aaron uh, I'm actually doing an event in May and he's going to be speaking at it he's in his mid 70s and he he speaks from stage he loves to 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 create programs and sell them from stage I mean the guy just gets energized by it like he's a like he's a teenager you know and he's in his mid 70s and he's just he, there's so much uh, pep and vim and vigor and energy that comes out of this guy when he gets up and he talks. And I'm just like, wow, man, you must love this. And he goes, I absolutely do what I love to do and I don't do anything yeah. else. And I tell you, that's powerful stuff. It really, really is. Yeah, I've learned a lot from what you've shared here. I want to just review it with you for a moment before we move on to what's next. So first of all, you know, you talked about taking the time to develop relationships with people you respect. Right, it's very, very important for you to do that to develop some integrity. I actually want to ask you. Let's come back to this. What you mean by integrity? Because the definition of integrity is it's important to understand what that is. I have a definition that's not the normal definition of it. And you also have to be a good person, and you got to relate to people that are better than you because that's what's going to lift you up. And then invest in your character. And God, that really resonated with me powerfully. And then live a balanced life this way. Be with your family and and and. Value investors tend to live long lives because they love what they do. They dance on the way to work. And it just makes total and complete sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. So, so George, what do you mean when you say integrity? What's your definition of integrity? Well, I mean, the simple definition is meaning what you say and say what you mean. That's my uh, definition of it. I love it. I mean, I don't trust, I don't trust CEOs who tell me, we're going to do this 
and then next year they go and do a totally different thing from what they told. Yeah. I don't trust them, okay? Um, so that's the simplest way I look at it. And, and for most people, this is how I, I, I look at them. Now, of course, integrity means also that you are a bad person. You're a crook, okay? You are, you are really uh, looking after your own interests as opposed to, uh, to your shareholders' interests. Um, so, I mean, uh, many, many portfolio managers, for example, um, you know, when you, when you give them your money, you believe that they work for you. When in fact, they work for themselves and they will do anything to better themselves as opposed to better you. Uh, this in, in academia is called agency theory, an agency problem. Uh, you know, I'm the, the portfolio manager, the agent, and I'm the principal. And um, rather than do what is good for me, they do what's good for them, irrespective of what the effect will be on me. Um, and, and value investors, and, and this, you know, this, these problems uh, are very difficult to overcome uh, in the investment business. How value investors overcome this is value investors invest their whole family wealth along with the clients. Um, because if I'm a portfolio manager and I have no, <clears throat> no of my own money in this investment, I don't really care. Uh, or going to make my, my 2%, whatever the MER is. But if you invest your own money with your clients, then you align the interests. Otherwise, there's a big disalignment and, um, and uh, this creates problems in the investment business. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I, I've got to put it in order to get your book. I want to read it now. Now, it's, it's, it's really fantastic, the things you're talking about. You know, integrity to me is do what you say and mean what you, what you say. And a lot of people today don't do that. We live in a time where, you know, there was a time where a man's word was his bond. That time is no longer today. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a time where you have to really watch whether people are going to do what they say. I'll give you a simple example. Someone could say to you, well, I'm going to be available to do a meeting with you at 10 a.m. And they could show up at 10.05. They didn't keep their word. They didn't do what they say. They didn't mean what they said. Now, you can have all kinds of reasons why you're rate, and some of those reasons can be valid, and some of them can be excuses. But at the end of the day, did they keep their word or did they not? And their yeah. word either had integrity or their word didn't have integrity. And I, I work hard to have integrity with my word. I, I'm not always successful. I'll be candid with you. But because I have my eye on it, I'm more successful than I'm not. And I, I find that in the world, though, it's not something that most people today have. Quite can't. Yeah, no, I mean, people say you meet people and you talk to them and they say, well, let's have lunch tomorrow. And they never call. <laughs> never call. And you say it's not a big deal, but it's a reflection of character. Yes. Yeah. Totally a reflection of character. Yeah. I mean, Prem, Prem actually, he does multi billion dollar deals with a handshake. With a handshake. As the old days, you know? As the, old, the days. old days. It is the old his, days. His handshake is his signature. And this is what you want. This is what you want from people, you know. And now we've got all these politicians, you know, that they go and tell you one thing, they do a different thing, and then they do another different thing. And I, I worry, you know, I worry because we used to have people with integrity in politics. Now, somehow, this is lacking. 
And I don't know why good people don't go into politics. Because I, I know why they don't go into politics, because politics is full of sharks and they don't want to be associated with those people. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty straightforward why they don't do it. I mean, can you you see the attacks that happen on people when they get into politics yeah. in, in America? Businessman, not that this is a political conversation here. It's not. But Donald Trump was a businessman. He got involved in politics. Before he got involved in politics, everybody loved Donald Trump. Everybody watched his shows. Everybody thought he's a great guy. Now, at least half the people hate his guts. Did he change? I don't think he changed. You know, he they call him a racist these days, right? Yet there, he won two awards from the NAACP. You know who the NAACP is? Before, before yeah. he was president, he won two awards from the NAACP for his contributions to the African-American community. And then all of a sudden, he's not like if you look at Trump and you're a businessman and you go, I don't want to go through that. Why would you? Right? Like, I mean, yeah. Why would you? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know why society has become like, because I mean, for me, what I hear about the politician is what how he behaves, what he delivers. I don't care what he did when he was 15 years old. OK, I agree. Uh, I, agree. <laughs> I, I, I agree. 100% agree. But, you know, uh, you, you don't uh, you don't have a lot of people that get into politics because they want to be that kind of person. Unfortunately, the people who are those kinds of people are attacked by the other people who are not those kinds of people. And that's the problem. Yeah, but that's a, it's a whole different story. And, and you know, not, 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 nothing we need to get into in a big way today. But I know exactly why good people don't get into politics, my friend. <laughs> it wouldn't last. You need to be a bit of a shark yourself to get involved in that and be able to push back against these people who are going to try to cut you to pieces. Uh, and and that's, that's the facts. But yeah, but I mean, it affects economies, it affects your life, right? I mean, like the, the best example, you know, is like Argentina. Argentina was the best country in the world up to 1900. And then because of bad politicians, became like a beggar uh, a country, you know. Yeah. Uh, also Greece, you know, Greece was doing well. And then uh, after 1980, they got all these bad politicians, loaded up on debt. Uh, they were just to get elected. They were borrowing money, giving higher wages to people. Everybody loved him. At some point, you got so much debt that you hit the wall. And you know that's your end of the of your economy. Well, that, and I'm afraid it's happening right in North America too. You know, there's so much debt. It's happening right now. now here. I was about to tell you that. Like, in my opinion, we're we're like five, ten years away yeah. from what Greece was <laughs> at the most. It may be less than five, five, five years. Okay, maybe we'll see what's going to happen now. Now with inflation going up, rates are going up. With also much debt, interest payments are going to go so much higher. And what they're going to do? They have to raise taxes to pay for all this interest expenses they have. It's going to be a mess, okay? I mean, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not very optimistic. And um, I did, a, as you may know, I write for the Globe and Mail, and I did an article last week, which I call, that were the last gasps of, of globalization. Because globalization shrank the world, make the, everybody more efficient, but it hurt a lot of uh, people in various countries, like North America. And um, it benefited growth stocks. Uh, but now if you go to deglobalization, that is everybody's bringing production to North America because they're afraid the supply lines disruptions. Uh, what's going to happen is you have high production costs, so higher wages, higher inflation. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, uh, it's going to hurt also very much the growth stocks. That's why I think we're now in the golden age for value investing, for value stocks. They're going to be the, the beneficiaries of this environment.
think you you very well may be right about that. It's uh, it's a tough time right now. My my brother uh, uh, works in the uh, financial sector as well, and uh, he's been saying that he thinks uh, we're going to be experiencing some economic pain as a result of the policies of our governments and. Uh, uh, he believes exactly as you believe that there are certain value companies that are going to do well and everybody else is just going to get hammered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no question about it. So, George, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation very much. Let's, let's talk right now about how people that are listening to the show who are interested in doing some investments can start to use some of the principles you're talking about to make some good investment decisions based on the current environment? So, I mean, uh, if you want to pick your own stocks, you've got to have time, knowledge, and, and money. If you don't have time, knowledge, and money, uh, have somebody to manage your money. Okay, so um, I think at this point, your best option if you don't have time, money, and knowledge to try to give your money to some value investors, okay? Value investing companies. These are not the big, you know, monstrous companies. They're companies that are managed by two or three people and there are many of them in Canada. Um, you know, if you go to my website, bengrimeinvesting.ca, you can see interviews of have your business okay if you don't have the time money and knowledge um you know you know one <clears throat> well, i don't want to mention the name but you know to see how how value investors behave and how you know how much integrity is important for them so one of one of the value investors is in also in my in my website so his fund <clears throat> his fund lost money in 08 and rather than writing a letter with his investor saying, look, we went down by 20%, but look at our LP went down by 40%, so we're better off. <clears throat> so he said, look, I promise you to make money for you. I did not do it. So I'm returning to you all the fees that I charge you. Okay. The industry, the non-value investing industry, made his life miserable. They, he had to go to court to defend his right to return the fees to his clients. How can you not like this guy, okay? This like work for you. He does work for himself. I love As this opposed guy. to uh, other CEOs who make like billions in salary and the company is losing money. Who, who are they working for? They work for themselves, not, not the investors, the shareholders. So uh, I think that's the best strategy at this point. And forget all this, you know, Bitcoin business, and forget about the high-flying growth stocks. Uh, this is not where the future is going to be, okay? Especially if we have deglobalization. Uh, I think we're... I mean, I did a study, and I looked at the last uh, 70 years. And, um, you know, the, the last 10 years have not been very good for, uh, for uh, value stocks. Also, back in the 60s, there was a, a similar period that value did not do very well vis-a-vis -vis growth. If you look at this, these two periods, the reason that value did not do well is because inflation 
and interest rates will close to zero. And when you have interest rates close to zero, growth stocks tend to do well because when you discount long down the road, big growth opportunities at zero interest rates, the present values look very high. So if we're going now to an environment where interest rates and inflation is going higher, this is bound to hurt growth stocks and benefit value stocks. In addition to the big globalization thing that I have in mind that would be happening. So interesting that you say you don't believe in Bitcoin. Uh, wanted to know your thoughts on, on not just Bitcoin, but the whole world of cryptocurrency assets. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, in my conference, actually, in my conference, which I had uh, uh, last week, uh, and I, I recommend to people to read the book, uh, Bob Seaman. Uh, I think the book is called Coin, Coin Investor, but the author is Bob Seaman. And um, he wrote, he revised his first book. His first book was called um, Bitcoin, dot, dot, Unlicensed Gambling unlicensed gambling. He did a, a great speech and showed how, uh, how speculative is all this Bitcoin business is. And unfortunately, you know, 40% of millennials have invested in Bitcoins. If Bitcoins goes down to zero, the whole generation is gonna be wiped out. Um, to me, I guess Bitcoin is the same as the tulip Mania in, in, in Holland, you know, 200 years ago or 300 years ago. Uh, tulip, uh, is because of human madness, tulip values went up mo worth more than buying a house in the 1700s in, uh, in, uh, in Amsterdam. The same here, you know, they, they've gone up in values exponentially. And um, what are they? I mean, there's no intrinsic value in, in Bitcoin. There's nothing, there's no cash flows, there's no underlying value. As an investor, if you want to make an investment, you want to know what is the fundamental value of this investment so that you know I buy here, I sell there. For Bitcoin, you have no idea what this is. Um, so to me, it's like gambling on a casino, a small probability of a high payoff. Most people lose. Maybe one person wins, okay? but most people will lose. Well, there's, there's those that argue that Bitcoin is like a digital form of gold. They're calling it digital gold. It's a store of value as an asset class. Yeah, and but the gold, you know, gold uh, keeps his, uh, his uh, value. Gold, you can make it, uh, you know, uh, cosmetic, yeah, yeah, you can make it like uh, sure, jewelry. Sure. Uh, he has kept his value the last 5,000 years. Uh, what's the history about Bitcoin? Like uh, maybe a few years and... Uh, um, 2008, it kind of came into fruition. 2011 was when it uh, started to get some attention. But not just Bitcoin. I mean, the whole cryptocurrency class. What do you What do you What do you think about? Maybe we need to do another interview on this at another time because we're we're we're. At I mean, uh, they are all, all based on blockchain. Blockchain, blockchain. is a good idea. Uh, but uh, um, the blockchain is like uh, you know having a car with a car go from A to B. So it's good to have a car to go from the B, but you don't know what's in the car. <laughs> and uh, with uh, Bitcoin, you don't know what's in there. I mean, the blockchain is nice that takes from A to B. You don't know what, what Bitcoin. And I mean, uh, I was reading actually a study by Bloomberg and uh, they and actually they have some actual people 
we're talking about Bitcoin and let's talk about Bitcoin being an addiction. It's like gambling. Many people are going to uh, therapy to get over this addiction. Um, well, we'll see. I uh, I believe in stocks. I believe in value investing, but I also believe cryptocurrency and blockchain technology is here to stay. I don't think it's going to go away. Yeah, blockchain. Yeah, blockchain is going to stay. But and, uh, Bitcoin, uh, there's a lot of things it. people can do with blockchain. I mean, I've studied blockchain intensively. We should have another discussion about this in a second interview we do in a few months. Yeah. But I think blockchain has is a is a game changing technology. The way the internet and e commerce were. Uh, 25, 30 years ago, back in 90, 94, 95. I think that's kind of where we are with blockchain myself. But uh, George, listen, I our time's our time's come to a close. I know you've got to rush off to another meeting. And, yeah, and, I got uh, to. Yeah. And I do as well. But Guy, I really enjoyed this conversation. So what's the best way for people to uh, consume your information? Is it to go to this uh, bengraminvesting.ca website? What's yeah. the best yeah, place and for buy, them to and do buy that? my book, you know, my book, uh, Value Investing from Theory to Practice. I talk about uh, how- and Where can they get that? Business. Sorry? Where can they get that? On the website? Yeah, if they go, if they go to the Western University Bookstore, yeah, uh, they can search for my name, uh, but the name of the book is um, Value Investing from Theory to, to Practice. Uh, I wrote it, uh, I published it this, uh, this January. Uh, Prem Watsa has written uh, the foreword. Uh, it's a 400-page book that takes you from, from the beginning to the end of value investing and uh, talks about character, talks about a lot of stuff in there. Uh, because, like I said, uh, the most important uh, characteristic of success is your character, how you how you make decisions, you know, and character character has nothing to do uh, with intelligence, um, and it's different to it's difficult to teach it because it's, it's not an IQ thing, okay? It's a it's a it's a frame of mind on how to make decisions. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I'm looking forward to getting your book. We're going to get a signed copy from you for me, please. Uh, okay. So I'll uh, order okay. it and get it so you can sign it for me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Would love to pick it up again and get deeper into your thoughts on on these new asset classes like uh, that are cryptocurrency and, and I'd love to have a chat with you about that. And uh, man, it's great that you know Prem Watsa. He's somebody I've uh, admired for a long time and heck, I'd love to meet him someday. Love to even interview him. Love to pick his brain. He's, he, he's, he's, he's a heck of a man. So listener, uh, Dr. George Athanasakos is the real deal. Make sure you go buy a copy of his book, Value Investing from Theory to Practice. We're going to put all the information on how to do that in the show notes to go to the University of Western Ontario's bookstore. You can get the book that way. Go to his website, bengraminvesting.ca, get his information. Make sure that if you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor and share this with somebody who you believe would benefit from it and would love it as well. Make sure that you do that. And listener, if you believe in our message here of freedom, free expression, and free enterprise, if you believe in our message of helping you develop your own, your own character, your own brand, your own skills, your own success, so you can take your business to the next level, please continue to listen to this podcast. Go to our other website, eCircleAcademy.com, and we've got an event coming up on May 13th, 14th in Toronto, first in-person event we're having in the city. We're going to have the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK is going to be speaking at the event. 
We're going to have a ton of business people. Imagine being in person with people, shaking hands, hugging people, going out to lunch or dinner together, feeling the energy in the room. Imagine that one great relationship that you create that when you nurture it can result in tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of benefit for you, your family, your business. This is the power of in-person events. Make sure you take advantage of it. And George, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for coming here well, today, my friend. Thank you for having me. I, I did too. And I uh, was very glad to meet you too. Ditto, ditto, ditto. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only George Ethanosakos, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Audible, wherever you happen to listen to our podcast. Make sure you buy his book. Make sure you go to the University of Western Ontario website and to bengraminvesting.ca. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.